Hey everybody and welcome once again to Time Out with Kevin Gallagher. Thank you so much for joining us here every night on a Friday evening at 8.30 p.m. or Monday morning at 11 a.m. And uh, you can also go out, like it says in the beginning cra uh, graphics there, you can go out to YouTube, that uh, forward slash, that youtube.com forward slash, that kgallagher01, and that'll bring up almost 400 different videos, and uh, three of which will be with the gentleman I have on the air tonight. You can also go to the show's official blog, which is timeouttvshow.com, and uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff there that's not even really stuff you see on the show, but it's related to the subject matter that we cover here from week in and week out. On with me once again is Mr. Alan Watt, all the way up there, I think kind of probably colder Canada right now, but uh, how are you today, sir? I'm trying to eat warm here. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, hopefully a nice day up there in Canada. It's just turned a nice day, but there'll be sunset soon. Sunset soon. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, hopefully we didn't have sunset in our country uh, today. We're taping this uh, the day the big bank swindle, or the uh, bailout as they call it, uh, or the stick-up has uh, occurred. And we're going to be looking at uh, the banking policies and practices through the centuries leading up to this mess that we're in now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you would agree, Alan, that we were kind of like on a slow kill up until this point. And now it's kind of like if you remember from the old... Um, TV show uh, with Lucy where they're sitting at the chocolate factory and the conveyor belt's been going along real slow and they can handle all the candies, but then it gets faster and faster and faster. And now I think we're at a point where that conveyor belt has gotten really fast. Would you agree? It's a new phase. They're moving into the next phase, which is planned this way, of uh, is it called economic warfare strategy and have set up um, groups in Britain, have knighted a whole bunch of people in Britain to work with, in concert with the U.S. Treasury uh, along this world agenda, and they call it the world agenda, the economic agenda and the social agenda, and so this is just uh, them upgrading their system towards that which they planned a long time ago, and that's probably why they waited for October as well. They love October for October surprises. Right. Is there any occultic meaning to that? Well, October is uh, famous for revolutions. And remember, these characters at the top uh, are really the masters of revolutions. Only uh, it's, for, it's their revolutions, it's not the public's revolutions. Uh, revolution has changed. Most revolutions are bloodless. They're social, cultural, and economic changes. These are revolutions. And so they're upgrading their system now to match, match, and create a world economic system with a central authority. They've all said the same thing. We need a new central monetary authority to be in charge of the world's finances. That's the whole point of the whole exercise, apart from the, all the freebies and the money they'll stuff in their pockets. That's just the, the, the booty. Pirates always yeah, take the booty. booty. Yeah. Now, is this something that is reminiscent of maybe what happened in Brazil a couple of decades ago where where you had the hyperinflation, they brought in a couple of different currencies until they settled on the current one, which is the real. It's part of that. We're heading in. Mm -hmm. It's part of that, but also it's, it's just a, it's just the amalgamation of the the next part of the system. Um, about a year ago, we had new articles here talking about the integration of the Americas for one thing, and how terrorism, this threat of terrorism, had helped them speed up the process of integration, and that it was inevitable we'd have to have a, a unified America uh, to deal with terrorism. Well, this is the next phase, and you're going to hear 
them saying that we need a completely unified America and a central uh, financial system to work for the Americas. It's, it's all falling along uh, in line with the agenda and the old plan. So it's theatre for the public. And all the, the holdouts to this bailout, which isn't a bailout really, even the, Forbes magazine said that they picked the 700 billion out of thin air. They had no statistics to back it up. And uh, they, just, they said they wanted a nice fat sum. Well, they got it. And uh, But the thing is, um, that's just uh, the freebies for themselves. It's the public who are being trained now that's to be scared. When your president tells you to be to panic, they want you to panic, and that's that's so that we'll, we'll breathe a sigh of relief as we get looted, and as they bring in a new economic system which will be worse. I mean, how many generations is it going to take now to pay off this debt? Uh, of American uh, citizens, uh, three or four generations. You see, debt is slavery, and we are, we are slaves. So why don't we go backwards to kind of understand what's going on in the present. Um, I know it was the guys who were like the goldsmiths and everything that really gave the start to the modern banking system that we have now. Do you want to get into that and kind of walk us through so that we understand how this whole thing evolved through time? Yeah, well, the goldsmiths... Um, used to have, uh, they were the guys who minted the gold, you, you would give them the raw stuff, you'd supply them with it, they'd mint your coin or whatever and eventually uh, people would say um, it's very cumbersome that transferring this stuff across areas might get robbed and plundered and then the goldsmiths came up with the idea that they could, if they had, say, even even a hundred dollars in the bank and uh, real gold and weight then they could give out script instead and that was the creation of paper money in fact it was called a check the Knights Templars got in on the act and they took that whole system over and they were the world bankers they were international bankers all done through the Knights Templars institutions you could cash in your gold in London get a script or a check and take it over to the Middle East and cash it into one of their temples there and you'd have gold return. And over the years, as people got used to this whole idea of paper or script, uh, then you, you wouldn't think of even asking to get your gold back. We, we, we started to accept that as real money and eventually uh, throughout the centuries, especially up to the Bretton Woods Agreement, which was held um, after World War II, um, uh, they did away with the gold standard altogether and you're left with paper so technically there's nothing backing money anyway it's a big idea and the public are trained to believe that it works as long as we believe it it, it works simple as that right and if I remember correctly the word fiat literally means a saying they just say that it's worth something and so it is that's correct this is pure faith that you can give this piece of paper to someone and get something back that you want in return. It's all based on, it's a belief system in, in a sense, it's a con game too, because it's designed that those who manage the money are really the only ones who benefit and really prosper, not the ones who produce anything, but those who manage uh, the money. They're the characters who really uh, live on top of the pyramid. Yeah. Right. Now, you have us, you know, with the Knights Templar. How do we get from the Knights Templar to people like the Rothschild? Uh, I, I really, personally, I wouldn't be surprised if many of these families uh, are, were descended from uh, the Knights Templars and all the other. See, the Knights Templars broke up into different organizations uh, based in Germany and other countries, and they, they and even Spain. Uh, they were the Alambrato in Spain. 
and they gave themselves other other names to camouflage themselves. But personally, I think they simply went undercover and came down through the ages, um, still managing the money. They understood this, the con games with money. They've been at it for so long. And money is something that everyone uses, but very few people understand. That's the basic premise of it. That's why you can fool the people all the time with it. And uh, But these characters, um, like the Rothschilds, will give out phony histories about how, how they were just poor uh, Jews living in the shuttle uh, and they were selling rags and so on. That's utter nonsense. The reality was they, they were trained and worked in the best, uh, the highest banking uh, banks in Frankfurt, Germany. So they were sent out into the world. And believe you me, uh, the, the, the popular story is he went to England, did some very cunning investments, and made his fortune by predicting uh, and saying, in fact, that England had war, won, uh, lost the war with Napoleon. Well, everybody started dumping their bonds, and he bought them up for peanuts. If he had looted the nobility of Britain, he would have been dead before that night was out. So personally, I think he was brought in by the establishment to manage the money even better. Because they knew that he outfoxed them. <coughs> no, they, they knew that he was bet a better manager, and I think he was brought in to do just that. I think, I think the nobility yeah. brought him in, yeah. You think they brought him in, they discovered him or whatever, and said, all right, we're going to teach you some of the even more exoteric and esoteric uh, ways of money. Absolutely. He, he already, he already was, was taught this. He was, a, he was trained, I think, probably. I think all the Rothschild sons were trained for their roles, and the nobilities uh, accepted them and, and uh, put things in their hands. Uh, it was interesting, too. You see, the Rothschilds did not start up the Bank of England. The Bank of England was set up by a Scotsman. Now, it's well, it's well known that the, the Knights Templars, when they fled from France, settled in the west coast of Scotland in Argyllshire. Uh, over there, there's so many of the graves, uh, the Knights Templars' graves are still there. And um, out of Scotland came uh, a guy who set up the idea for the Bank of England, the idea being, which appealed to royalty and the military, uh, that the public would, would pay off any debt uh, on, the, on money that was borrowed to fight wars. And that's really why the, the Bank of England was set up on the promise of generations to come to pay off any debt. That was like an unlimited uh, um, uh, credit card. So right. uh, they set it up, and then Rothschild was brought in to take it over. Yeah. Now, what's the whole deal with about a 70-year period where it seems like no, there's been at least three times in our country's history where the United States has gone, the corporation has gone completely bankrupt, and there's been a, a new start, a new beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, what truth is there to that? Um, it's, it's not a new beginning. If you look at that, there was two crashes in the late 80, 1800s, uh, and they were pulled off and set up to crash by Gould, the, the big ba uh, banking f uh, company with J.P. Morgan and another uh, major banker, and they planned to take down the economy. They did it twice in the late 1800s, and they looted the, the, the pensions of, of maybe millions of people, and they got away with it. And they've never, ever, ever set up banking institutions to be guilty for anything. Therefore, it tells you when they leave the door wide open for the same thing being pulled again, it's on purpose, it's intentional. And we find that George Soros, for instance, in the, uh, the British newspapers a few years ago, had a half a page where he boasted how he'd phoned two of his friends and decided to crash the British uh, Treasury. 
and they did it. They made millions of pounds off of it, and uh, there was no there was no charges ever laid because it's quite legal to crash a country's economy. And the British public had to go back to the international bankers and borrow millions of, of pounds to, to pull themselves out of this hole. But here's the guy in the paper boasting, quite legitimately and honestly, how he pulled it off. So it's always set up... Why bring this up to? Because I know it's one of the Rothschild, I think, Ansel uh, Rothschild, yeah. who said, I care not who runs the country, mm -hmm. care not about their politics, you allow me to control the money system of a country and I control the country itself. Well, of course it is, because if you look at economics, even start the basic classes in economics or get a textbook, and it will tell you that every nation is run on an economic system first and foremost. All of its laws, right down to civil laws and criminal laws, all revolve around the economic policies of that country. If you murder someone, you're not punished for taking a life. You are punished for taking out of circulation a, a potential taxpayer. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Commerce. That's right. Yeah. So where do we go from here? We we know that in 1913, under Wilson in this country, we have the Federal Reserve that's set up, which is neither federal nor is it a reserve. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, what I've always found very interesting, Alan, is that 1913 that took place, and then what? 1914, we have World War One. The United yeah. States is put smack dab into a war, and then we wind up with. Uh, a whole bunch of wars immediately after that. We got World War II, we got Korea, we go right down the line, Vietnam, and this country's been just at war, the business of war, mm -hmm. ever since the Federal Reserve has been set up. Yeah. So how do you react to that? Well, that's what they say. You see, you always find these periods where they've looted the country to such an extent that it's not working anymore, and the only way out of it is to borrow through war. It's strange how they can always borrow billions of dollars suddenly when there's no money for social programs, but they can borrow billions suddenly when a war breaks out. It's just astounding. And really, World War II pulled the United States and Britain out of the Depression. That's the only reason they got out of the Depression. Suddenly they went to manufacturing for the war industry, and that's what pulled them out. So fascism thrives on this type of thing. They must have ongoing wars, perpetual wars, in fact, in order to prosper and keep their corrupt system going. Let me ask you this, a little bit off topic, but how do you define fascism? I know how Mussolini defined it, he called it corporatism. It's a marriage of the corporate state with the state, mm -hmm. with the government. Um, how do you describe that? Fascism really is a merger of private business and government working together. Big business, not small business. And, and that's what you have. You, you're seeing the government today supposedly buying out banks and failed institutions so you and but then they, they appoint those same leaders of the failed uh, companies the ceos as appointees government governors over those very institutions even when they supposedly fail and the government's taken them over so you're seeing that literally what was predicted by plan as part of an agenda in the 1950s where bertrand russell lord bertrand russell who was part of the royal institute for international affairs stated eventually 
the population will have credits issued by the government. Instead of money, the government will be the bank. They will issue the credits to the people, and you won't be able to save them up because the world we're bringing in will be a world where everyone serves the world state. And this is a step-by-step process towards this. And in fact, right now, they're on a plunder across the planet to secure all natural resources, change all opposing societies into this one standardized American culture, and then they bring in this new credit system. You will not be able to save it up. You'll be at the same level for the whole rest of your life, and it'll be used as a, a method of control. If you go against the system, they, they withdraw your credits, and you will have, have no money to pay rent or, or food or anything else. That has already been published in the Royal Institute of International Affairs papers. Right. Now, one thing I found kind of interesting in, in relation to that is I remember seeing a Circuit of the Stars a couple of years ago, and they were showing, like, some behind-the-scenes, the making of, and the guy was in there learning how to, you know, do the lion taming. And the guy said to the trainer, gee, I hope you fed that cat before before we came in here. And he said, if I fed that cat, I couldn't control him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I used hunger to control the cat. That's why he wants the treat. So he does whatever I tell him because he wants to be fed. That's right. That's right, yeah. yeah. So it's just it's just like well, one of these things where you got to think outside the box a little bit. Mm-hmm. You brought up Bertrand Russell, who is one of my favorite, unfavorite people in the whole world. Yeah. Uh, can you give a little bit of background into his history? Because he, I believe he's the one that said that war only serves one purpose, and that is to destroy the two countries or, or the countries involved in it. And, I mean, we've seen no better example of that in our own lives right mm-hmm. now and what's going on with here in Iraq, Afghanistan. I've seen the total destruction of my civil liberties, the country itself, the economic system now is blowing out because they're spending like, what, $9 million a second in Iraq. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable. They can do that, but they can't fix our friggin' bridges. They can't mm-hmm. fix our roads. They can't fix anything because there's, like you said, no money. Yeah. So what is? It's to be a, they're bringing in a new order. I mean, we were, we're looking at the creation of a totalitarian regime, a, a system that's been in the works for a long, long time. They have said in their own writings in the Royal Institute of International Affairs that democracy is too cumbersome to get anything done. Therefore, they set up a parallel government to bypass democracy and that they could make their long-term global plans. Now, the United States was projected to fight most of the wars for the 20th century and into the 21st century. The Royal Institute said it would, it, would, um, it would win most of the time, but towards the end it would fail, rally, and then fail again, and then it would sink. And then China would come in, and they would take over the role as global policemen. So that's all planned. This, this was written long, long ago in official reports by the, the top institutions which comprise the parallel government. Yeah, my uh, one of the people in my family very close to me, um, they had said that they had seen on Fox News of all places that there were foreign troops ready to roll into the country mm-hmm. if this uh, banking uh, bill didn't pass, and yeah. that really flipped them out. That's correct. Yeah. Probably should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, under the NATO agreement, you're not, and look at look at all the countries that have joined NATO since the Soviet Union uh, pretended to disband. Really just merged with the West, uh, but you have all those other countries, those those uh, Eastern Bloc countries that are now part of NATO, and they have been exercising and training them to come into the Americas and Britain if need be, if there's an economic disaster, 
or civil unrest. Where, where are we today? And I mean literally today, where it's, uh, what, October the 3rd, when we're taping this in 2008, and we have this, this fraud of a bill that's just been passed and signed. Where does that leave, leave the average uh, you know, person in the world, never mind just the United States, because I believe this is going to have worldwide ramifications? It is. And that's what they're talking about. That, that, so we're all so intertwined, we call it interdependent now, with the financial systems and stock markets, and it's all international. So if one country fails, the rest are, are, will go down like dominoes. It's set up to be that way. So, in fact, it's used as an excuse that we can't pull out now and go back to the old Monroe Doctrine. We, we must uh, go forward, as they say, towards this old plan of global unification, a central world authority with all of its branches uh, to deal with the social um, effects, including economics. You're seeing the setup of an oversee, an overseeing, an oversight committee for global finance that will run the entire planet. Yeah. See, the way I look at it is it's kind of like a bulkhead on a submarine where if one part of the sub gets filled with water, you can seal that off and you don't have to worry about the entire sub. Okay, you got that one problem, you can fix it when you get into port. Well, if one country, you know, Venezuela or the United States or China or Mexico, whoever, you know, they have some kind of turmoil and the country just goes to hell, then, you know, it's sealed off, it's sovereign, and it doesn't spread to the entire planet. We can deal with it and then come back to it later when the country's kind of healthied up, you know, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like that a lot better, plus with a world government, as it seems like we're being just taken and shoved by the back of our shoulders into, I mean, that makes it a heck of a lot easier for a madman like a Hitler to rise to power. He only has to go and, you know, defeat one government. Yes. Many, like he had to do in World War II, mm -hmm. regardless of all the other issues we can get into, of course. But mm -hmm. using that as the simplest... Um, way of explaining it. Yeah, well, they're all vowed at the top, never ever. In fact, their main enemy uh, is, is nationalism. They've admitted it in all of their publications, all of the institutions and major think tanks that all work together and have done for a hundred years towards this global agenda, and all of the well-known names that you know down through the last century or so have all worked for the same institution. They've all said that nationalism is our main enemy and the only um, road to go is complete internationalism, one culture for the planet, and, and one social system to deal with the people. But it also goes even further right down to depopulation controls and, and all the rest of it. That's all coming fast. That's all coming real fast. Uh, what, I, what I would like to say next is uh, we're looking at this bill being signed, and what I'm looking at is, and I think I've already said this, but I'm going to re-say re it again, and that is, you know, there's, there's no, no soft landing for, for the average person. I mean, if, when the economy, and I say when the economy just goes and it goes belly up, these bankers are going to get a nice soft trampoline to fall into. We just go into the abyss. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like this. There's, there's, there's no controls over them. There's no oversight. There's no, there's no law even to, to keep these people with any kind of known accountability. It's, just, mm -hmm. it's gone. It's just non-existent. That, to me, that scares me. Yeah. You see, what we realize, and this is what shocks most people, the ones who can reach this level of understanding, is that this? See, we are living in their system. They gave us the system. 
and uh, that's why they've never fixed the, the 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 problems in the system. They always want to use the same con games over and over again. That's why legally uh, they cannot be touched. Uh, there's no judge in the land ever come forward. No one's ever come forward to charge these characters in any depression or recession for the looting of the countries. And it's, it's, it's their system. See, we live in their system. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I've picked up from you from, from listening to your radio show, you can go to cuttingthroughthematrix.com to get more information about Alan. Also, uh, your, your show is on Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday nights on Republic Broadcasting, I believe, mm-hmm. if my memory is correct. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of like you talked about the fact, and what I've picked up on is, hey, you know, we can't stop what is coming. This has been, you know, in play, and it has been going on long before we were born for hundreds and hundreds of years. But maybe we can try to deflect some of it away so it doesn't hurt us maybe as much. I mean, am I, am I getting that right? Because that's kind of how I'm starting to see it. Yes, we, we can't hit them head on. They expect us to oppose them head on with things. They're masters of war. And social change, too, is also warfare with them. So we, we've got to find a new way to go. But the problem is um, the majority of the public haven't a clue what really happens. They're never truly conscious of what's going on at any time. And you'll never, ever convince the majority to side with you or demand rights. That's never happened in history. And it certainly won't happen today because the people have never had so much propaganda and entertainment and indoctrination uh, placed upon them as today. So it's up to those who can see the cons that are happening and point them out and and shout them as loud as they can uh, because we've got to start stopping these characters. These characters mean business. They really do mean to go a whole, bring a whole new brave new world in where you have global family planning. That means all of us. And they want to reduce the population by all means possible. They've published the fact they expect 30 years of riots as they bring this agenda from beginning to end right through. And by by the year 2050, they expect to have about one-third of the population that they have today. Well, how on earth are they going to achieve that unless they, unless they starve us out or give us plagues or what? They're going to use a lot of warfare on the public, and their whole con game is to manage us through lies and deception, through pandemics and food shortages and so on, so that we will comply like willing fools and die quietly. Yeah. So how I got three minutes left, roughly two minutes I think. What? Oh, they're telling me a minute now. Uh, let people know how they can uh, get more information about you. I know I had dropped it before, but one more time from your own mouth, how how can people get more information about Alan Watt? They can go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and I've got hundreds and hundreds of shows there on this and other topics to do with this global agenda. And they can also look into Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel dot EU for transcripts which have uh, of these very audio talks, and they can download the transcripts and print them up and pass them around. Uh, there's, there's so much data there. I try and give them shortcuts to understanding because we don't have time intergenerationally to teach people anymore. We're, we're really at a, at a bad place right now. Hey, Alan, thank you so much for joining me here tonight on Time Out. And, um We'll have you on again real soon. Um, and with that, I'm, of course, Kevin Gallagher. Please keep tuning in every week on a Friday night at 8.30 p.m., a Monday morning at 11 a.m. here locally, or out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash kgallagher01, or 
TimeoutTVShow.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to John McGowan Presents. Yeah, a little bit dark. Kind of appropriate. Tonight we are having an on-phone interview from Canada, a gentleman named Alan Watt, and as usual, we have our co-host Kevin Gallagher. Co-host Kevin Gallagher. Oh, yeah. Kevin Gallagher? Yeah, I'm trying that 20 times back. Yeah, try it. Hey, Alan, how you Alan's doing? Alan's already on the phone. Not so bad. Alan, how you doing tonight? I'm surviving here, yeah. Yeah, surviving. Yep, that, that's a lot these days, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It, it certainly is. But Kevin is able to arrange our guest for tonight, and thank you very much for all the effort you do on the show. Well, thank you, Alan, for coming in. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure, yeah. I've been uh, I've been trying to educate the public for many years on not just the financial system but the whole integrated system of countries being merged together into the big global society and not by guessing what's to happen or what's to come but simply by following the books and reading the books put out by the big authors that belong to the big foundations and organizations which really run the world and you'll find that the Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain and it's um, which has branches along the, the, the British Commonwealth countries it also has the Council on Foreign Relations for America they've been planning this global society with the changes and the wars too um, that must be done to secure the world for this new type of society they've been doing this for about a hundred years and they publish um, the, their plans and their objectives and they have so many meetings uh, around the world uh, almost every day in one department or another you, you can't really keep up with them there's so many to deal with uh, social policies economics housing everything that deals with your life in any country and they're all intermixed intermeshed with the banking system and the economic system and we are, we are really living through their plan and everything that happens in their plan was planned long ago we find that um, Britain which had an empire which was the nucleus they call it themselves the nucleus for this world uh, society uh, Britain would set up the empire and then eventually turn over the policing of that to America America would police it for most of the 20th century into the 21st century and then it would exhaust itself financially uh, and even through uh, possibly through uh, the loss of um, soldiers China was to take over from the United States maybe around the year 2020 so we're living through uh, a long rehearsed plan and all we see on politics really is, is the drama and the, the, the fixing of certain problems as we go through this big planned drama the scripted plan, uh, drama uh, so there's nothing surprises me the problem is trying to educate the public that nothing is happening by chance at the moment it's always planned that way and when you go into their books you find out the reasons why it's planned that way why they're having this, this crisis in the financial sector right now that the plan is to bring in a global structure a new economic advisory committee that manages the whole world's economy that's the whole point of this exercise apart from
from looting the public uh, they'll split up the loot amongst themselves as always because they are pirates basically but they plan to bring in this new economic body to, to run the whole planet uh, so you'll have one planetary bank basically the rest will be subsidiaries and that's what they're bringing in Britain's admitted this uh, it's been in the newspapers you've had the Prime Minister talking about it and you wait and see it's coming pretty fast Yes, they can. You can actually go into uh, the Royal Institute of International Affairs own website and look into all of the, the famous players, the well-known names and professors and economists and so on. Uh, they have so, as I say, they've got a finger in every pie of society, uh, always working ahead. And you, you can go into Chatham House. That's one of their, their, their main websites. And you can also look into the one for in New York, their branch in New York, which is based at the Harold Pratt Building. Uh, and the, the work together, it's all one organization, regardless of the name that they use. They could not call it the Royal Institute of International Affairs for America. It would rather tick off the, the American population. So they called it the Council on Foreign Relations instead. These are the guys who Margaret Thatcher said uh, have comprised the parallel government, the government that gets things done, a democracy being too untidy and messy and taking too much time. Uh, so they would bypass democracy, get things done behind the scenes by using uh, very wealthy people, well, famous people, the Kissingers, the Maurice Strongs, the ones we're used to seeing. They're called technocrats. And they said that the technocrats would have the real power of decision-making and they were unelected to uh, by the public so they didn't have to inform the public or answer questions to the public and only that way could they bring in what they called this new order of things or new world order uh, that's what we're living through now is the final stages they also said that there could be no other competing cultures left in the world that all have to be based on the British American system of, of values even though they're constantly changing and, uh, and therefore that's why we're at war with the last remaining countries who oppose the American type culture. So um, how does predictive programming fit into all this? Predictive programming was a, an old idea. It was, it, was, it was from Britain basically when they set up an institution to at Tavistock to study human behavior really to do with mass psychology and they found that through drama and fiction uh, they could pre-program the people through ideas that they, they didn't have for themselves give them new ideas take them through a drama which they could identify with with the heroes and the heroines and then the, the idea was now familiar to them so they could actually make that idea happen in the near future and the public would accept it without objection simply because they were familiar with this idea so we're always being programmed through movies and so on with the next part of the agenda and when it happens in reality uh, there's no there's no there's no reaction from the public they just go along with it it seems inevitable in their minds but it's because they've been downloaded basically with the idea in the first place with all the arguments in the movie as to why it's a good idea to go this way so they think it's inevitable a good in example is NASA I mean why on earth have they spent trillions of dollars in space 
um, supposedly for space, ex space ex exploration when there's so much to be done here on Earth. And yet it's, 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 uh, it's almost sacrilegious to condemn NASA. They'll tell you you can't stop science, you can't stop progress. Well, see, that's a lie. Um, the, the big foundations, the big money boys in this world direct the course of science always. Uh, they put the grants out there, they tell the scientists what they want them to find, the direction they want them to go in. That's why you had the push to, to massive sterilization, birth control and all the rest of it. It wasn't because the people were clamoring for it, it's because the, the elite of the world had told the scientists, here's your grants, this is where you're going, what you're going to do and this is what you're going to do for us. You will find this, this particular um, drug or whatever, or method of sterilization. That's how you direct science. Yeah. Now, you know what's interesting is uh, I'm kind of into uh, etymology and the, the backgrounding of words. One day I was looking up the Hebrew background on the word for making a long journey. There's mm -hmm. actually a Hebrew word for it and translated into English is NASA. NASA is also a Hebrew word uh, for the head. Nazi or NASA. Strangely enough, coincidentally, Nazi is the head of the Sanhedrin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's also where you get the word uh, nascent or nascent moon, the, the, the new moon. Last week we had shown a cover of a DVD called Bird Flu in America. Yes. Is there any, uh, would you consider that obviously to be a protective programming? Oh, no doubt about it. They've been drumming, the, 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 they've got the drums going for years on the coming plagues. And Bertrand Russell and others, H.G. Wells and many other players in this field uh, that claim there's too many people, uh, they've said that it's a, a shame we don't have another black death, another black plague uh, to cull down the public. Well, there's many means to kill down the public, and most of the Western world are going sterile, and that's from the United Nations. And it's happening through our food supply and our inoculations, and I think it's intentional. I have no doubt about it whatsoever. Uh, so there's many ways to accomplish their goal, but it's not fast enough. And um, since World War II, we've had the ability to, to re-engineer a virus within one hour. We can change its composition and its direction and even its prey. Uh, within one hour, they can do that very quickly. They call it fast breeders, and they can, they can, they can set that loose in the, the planet whenever they wish to. So this is child's play today. Child's play, yeah. It can also set up a, a virus that replicates so many times it kills itself off. Yeah. Yes, uh, the British paper, I think it was the Daily Mail, had a two-page article on Porton Downs military uh, establishment, the warfare department that deals with bacterial and viral warfare, and a reporter was allowed to spend a day or two with them, and he sat at the breakfast table as they discussed uh, ethnic-specific viruses, uh, gene-type-specific viruses, uh, viruses that they could unleash that would sweep across a country coast to coast, uh, replicate so many millions of times, and, and then kill itself off. They can literally program them just like, com like computers. Yeah, page 60 of Rebuilding America's Defense is written by Dick Cheney talks about exactly what you're talking about, a, uh, of, of viruses that would be uh, really towards one ethnic group. And uh, I know you've got to get going, we've got to wrap this up, but before you go, can you kind of, in a microcosm, let people know what you really think about this so-called bailout, which it really isn't, it's really like a golden trampoline for the bankers? Yes. 
free fall, they fall safely and nobody else does? Yeah. Well, see, in reality, here's the thing, that the United States has had an organization set up on behalf of the government that has been doing this for the last 20 years. They've been bailing out the banks every few months. Uh, every time the stock market falls, the whole idea was to save the economy at all costs. And no one made a big deal out of it all along. But when the president suddenly came out and panicked the whole population and, to, and made a big deal about it, and the media went into action to make sure we were all panicked, this was to get the message across to us that things are changing in a big way, apart from the fact that we're going to rob you once again. Because the, out of this will come a new economic order and a new uh, banking system uh, to deal with globalization. And you'll find that the ability, not that you have at the moment, but really the ability for a nation to handle its own economy and its banking has been taken out of its hands into a global authority, and that's what will come out of this. Uh, interesting. Yeah. It's always changing what normal is. Yes. Yeah, and normal is uh, very flexible with these people and just using the predictive programming and other methods that we don't have the time to get into here. They can change what a person thinks of as normal. Uh, on a show earlier that I did with you a month ago, uh, I talked about the fact that, you know, in the 1950s, if you saw, you know, 40s, if you saw a kid walking down the street acting like your typical rap artist does, these kids that impersonate him walking down the city streets, you know, you'd have that kid locked up. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, people look at it only think twice. As perception. You alter perception. For America's economy, Alan. Pardon? The uh, America's economy. What's in the plans for 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 the, the nation? I really think this to be taken down. You see, the, the United States and Canada is to be merged into the global system uh, that it's creating. In other words, it will not be higher. It will gradually sink lower as time goes on. That is the agenda. Uh, that was all part of the, the United Nations um, Charter, that the richer countries would pr pay for the poorer ones. This was also the Marxist philosophy of... of uh, spreading the wealth, taking the wealth from those who have and put to those who haven't, supposedly. And as other countries in the third world come up, and we pay them to come up, we, we fund their hospitals, their schools, and so on, we are to sink down to a certain level. And supposedly this was this would be a happy medium where we all meet together in the global plantation. So bring everybody down, don't rise, don't rise, bring up the others that are lower, just bring those that are up higher down. That's right. That's the gender. Yeah. Now, uh, how can people get more information about you? Uh, what can they do before we say bye-bye? Uh, they can go in into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com or alanwattsentinel.eu and they can download as many of the previous talks I've given on this and other topics related to it as they want to and they can also download, download transcripts, written transcripts which they can print up and pass around to their friends. Fantastic, and I downloaded, oh, I think it was almost five gigs worth of talks that you've done. Been going through them as fast as I can. Truly amazing stuff. And, uh, Alan, thank you so much for joining us here. We'll have you back on again real soon, I hope. And uh, we'll bid you farewell uh, for Alan Watt and for John McGowan. Thank you very much, and we'll be back to you live in one second. Thank you, Alan. Good night, and everybody back in a few seconds, everyone. Okay, good night to you, too.